Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host, and I'm here with executive producer Mark Griffith, co-host and executive producer. He's joining us, and we're here from MIG Studios live, and we're excited to be here. We're testing really out a couple of pieces of technology that we're adding to the mix of the Housing Hour, our remote satellite studio here at the Mortgage Investors Group corporate headquarters in Knoxville, Tennessee. Thank you guys for joining us. Hopefully you're having a great one. I know that we are, and no doubt about that. And uh, Mark, how are you? I'm doing great. I love the the music coming in. Yep. Sounds good. Absolutely. We have a little bit more control over what we do and don't listen to. And And I didn't realize you could play the keyboards like that. So I know. Isn't that amazing? Shout out to you. And doing it all at the same time. uh, It's just really, really amazing. So, um, and, and now we can fade the music out, but we're... We're really just wanting to talk about some current events that have happened so that we can, you know, give you guys some good info and you can get some um, some ideas back from us on what's going on. And, you know, the easy, the easy low-hanging fruit is the Tennessee Vols. They're doing incredible things. Um, you know, going back all the way to the Mississippi State game, really, uh, where they dominated, they didn't have the most, you know, explosive offense in the world, but you had a lot of positive. The defense, Mark, over the last three games has been amazing. It's really changed. It's changed from the first couple of games. I don't know what the key is. Pruitt, uh, Coach Pruitt has said that, you know, key personnel come back into the mix, and I just think that they've got their their uh, defensive legs to them. Yeah, and I remember, you know, the first two games when we played Georgia State, and I remember listening to our great friend Eric Ainge, and he mm-hmm. said, "Oh, it's going to be a blowout. It's going to be a blowout." You know, and, well, I think everybody thought they that. did. I'm kind of picking on Eric a little bit, but um, and 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 he supports his team certainly. But and I and I did too. I mean, I thought you know well, we're going to kill him, and I, I don't know what exactly happened there because I try to go back to that game, and we had the pieces of the puzzle. Yes, we had a Thompson. Remember Bryce Thompson, who was our all. Um, you know, yeah, SEC right. freshman who had just made some, you know, bad mistakes. And then he, so he was suspended temporarily. Uh, I think Batuli was, I, yeah, there I may have been, was a, out. He there had was a knee injury or something. Yeah, there was a couple of people and we're not, we're not actual sports analysts. So we're giving you the fans perspective. And, um, but, but, uh, you know, there, so there was a couple of people out, but I mean, the fact is, uh, you know, Georgia State's had a great year from this moment looking yeah. back. Um, they've had a fantastic year. And then BYU, you know, we were in that game and we, you know, just down the stretch, you know, if you recall that big fourth down or that big third down that we had um, our converted wide receiver uh, actually make, miss the play and the guy, you know, goes down and gets them into position, you know. So I don't know what happened in those first two games, but things were not clicking. Well, I, I think one of the things is, uh, to me, the biggest piece to Tennessee and one of the issues that we've had is continuity of coaching. I mean, you can't continue to co- change offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, and change systems. I mean, it, it catches up with you eventually, I would think. You know, I'm not – maybe, I, you know, I, I don't know technically, but for me it would be very impactful to have a different commander, you know, in charge every single year. Yeah, and, I, you know, you look at these players – this could have been a situation where after they lost to BYU, they lost the t- lose the t- you lose the team. Oh yeah, you could you know yeah the locker room as they say as, as they say exactly and you know they didn't lose the team. I mean the guys are out there playing their hearts out now. Georgia, 
they they played Georgia tough. I don't care what you say. Now we lost that game going away. I understand, but well, we, yeah. I thought I thought we lost the game in the last two minutes of the first half. Mm-hmm. You know, we were yep. we were in control of the game, and our defense was playing well, mm-hmm. and we were holding them, stopping them, and then all of a sudden we had breakdowns. You know, and so I say we played one and three quarters. Uh, you know, the game correctly, and then losing. Eight. I think losing is contagious in a lot of ways too, and. I think losing's a mindset. It's almost like you forget how to win. So you get into a a situation where you have Georgia on their heels a little bit. You know, you look at that, and then you see we put that ball and scored a touchdown, and then we just sort of fall apart. And, you know, of course you can blame momentum shifts, and that there's a lot that goes into that as well. And I'm sure that there was some blown calls by the refs, some of the worst officiating I've ever seen this year. What do you think about that? It's been disappointing. I mean, really, you're not going to get fined. <laughs> I, it just it's it's been terrible. And I was with uh, one of our mutual f- friends who I sit next to, who we oh. won't name. Oh, okay. But he was absolutely animated this past Saturday. Really, I've never seen him like that. He was so upset with the officiating that it was really bad. I mean, let's first let's go back to the Alabama game first because yeah. I was down there. It was incredible atmosphere. Um, although I'm telling you, I've been to a lot, of, a lot of games in a lot of different places, mm-hmm. and that stadium, although it was incredibly nice, the atmosphere was not that not, it wasn't that great. I'm just going to tell you, and I was there observing, and and was well, why why wasn't it great? Well, describe well, what you're the, talking the about. describing. Okay, so when the team made a good play, mm-hmm. or when they did something just like that. Neyland Stadium, the, the place would have come down. Now, now I have to give some of that to their number one in the nation. They're like, oh, wow, you scored on Tennessee. They haven't, you know, I get that I've too. I've seen the crowds pretty but, dead with, when we played Kentucky back in the 80s. Yeah, but if you go back and look and you go back to the time period where we were dominating and, and we were in the t- number one, 98, yeah. it didn't matter who we played. Oh, no, you're right. So that was, and then also when you walk into, have you ever been to when you played, I mean, I guess it was. I in, marched it. But it was in Birmingham then? or I was can't it? remember. So this is a, I don't know. It was just 80 degrees at 6 o'clock in the morning, and we're in full uniform practicing. That's oh, all I remember. Wow. It was miserable. All I know is that when I walked into that place, I don't know if it's been remodeled. I'm sure that there's an Alabama fan that will listen to this and um, probably call in or send me an email. That's fine. It is mark.griffith. <laughs> that, no, I'm just kidding. But but seriously, it. It was just when you walk in, it didn't have you know when you walk into Neyland Stadium and it's like a it's like an old school coliseum yeah. from back in the whatever that was mm-hmm. you know the movie Three Hundred, right. um, you know it was it's just this almost like the eighth wonder of the world you know and it's I started to look at that this weekend at the game and you know seeing that it's fully filled in that's another thing like you have the the south or you have the end zones you know you can see out so that's it's not enclosed like Neyland Stadium is. Um, the loud, the sound, the, the actual amount of decibels that are coming from the crowd, even when they ran that hundred hundred yard fumble back, which was the sort of the climax of sound that, that they had the whole day, um, wasn't anything near what you would hear at Neal Stadium. And, and I don't know if you heard this or not. <laughs> Go away from from Alabama for just a second, but I do want to come back to that. So, did you hear that South Carolina player talk about Neal Stadium? No. He said it was the loudest stadium that he's ever played in. It was the loudest third yeah. quarter I've ever and heard you know, in my entire 
life. What did they say that the um, attendance was? Because there was about... Oh, there was a lot of empty seats uh-huh. up on the upper deck. Yeah. I mean... I'd say 85, 80. That, yeah. I would. I, I bet you, John, I have maybe on my way home from work, because John, <clears throat> from the sports animal, you know, he'll have, and he always has an opinion on it, because you have two different things. You have ticket sales, and then you have turnstile. Right. So... I'd say there was maybe 75 or 80. I mean, I don't know. But. I, th- I think that's probably about right. Um, but they sounded like 100,000. But here's what, you know, so when I was walking to the, the to the game with my son, and we noticed the crowd levels were down. So we, we kind of figured that, hey, we could be at an 80,000. You know, so we were kind of anticipating that. But I, I told him, I said, you're going to hear loud fans because the folks that show up now are just the diehard diehards who are going to come for whatever game. And they're going to scream. That's what I do. I just go and I just scream. And it feels good. I've sat next to you guys. (laughs) My son has really found his voice. (laughs) Well, going back to the Alabama game. So the other thing that I realized was, now the light show was amazing. I mean, the, you know, they put those LED lights in. That's right. It was really cool. Um, That that would give me a headache, I think. Yeah. There was a point there where when it was seven to seven. Yes. And, you know, there was a couple of moments. The people in the stadium, they were scared. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. I bet. They saw what was going on out there. They knew that who – we were the – I mean, hey, you can argue we were the better team, uh, especially when Tua went out. We were the better team on both sides. Maybe we just wanted it more. Or we were more, like, amped up. I mean, they have five stars on every, you know – Second string. Yeah. So their second string is probably better than our first string from a from on paper, I mean. Right, right. But – I mean, we were just out hustling them, and it was amazing. Well, by what uh, started third quarter, I thought saw a stat that I was convinced was incorrect. Mm-hmm. It, that yards rushing sixty four for Alabama. Wow, wow! And the start of the third. Yeah, there was. I, I thought that was one sixty four, but I right. said, "Well, wait a minute, could have been one sixty four because they haven't run that much." Right. We've stopped them, but that was pretty impressive. Yeah, it was, and I felt good even though we lost. Mm-hmm. You know, I had know. Some, it was heartbreaking. We had some boo boos. It was it was heartbreaking. Like uh, there was two two momentum shifts in that game. The one big one was they're coming down to put it up fourteen to nothing. Five, you know, seven minutes to go in the first quarter. Yes. You know, we're looking at each other like this is business as usual. They were up twenty eight to nothing last year in the That's first right. quarter. So I'm thinking, oh, here we go. And then you know. Dale Carter's son yeah. stepped in front of that. You know, Nigel Warrior. I thought pick six. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. Could he not get it out of second gear or something? Because, <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, I don't know if anybody else saw that. But that number 11 for Alabama. Now, granted, he's the fastest kid in the SEC, evidently. But he looked like he was in mud or, or quicksand. But anyway, he did intercept it. That was huge. And that was the beginning of the momentum shift at that moment. And then if you if you fast forward, there was a couple of other ones in between. Obviously, Brian, you know, getting hurt and all that. There was some talk about bad calls. That was oh. that was the worst. And then this South Carolina was the second worst I've ever seen. It was it was ridiculous. But the other one was when Daryl Taylor got that. We had him pinned up out there in the third quarter. We're getting ready to get the ball back, take the lead, you know, or whatever the score was. I don't remember. But well, we were two touchdowns. I mean, it was. In my 15, mind, 15 we were going to take the lead. I think it was 15 points. <laughs> well, but anyway, that moment, because then when you get the ball and now you get 15 yards and yeah. it wasn't even a First penalty, time. that was another momentum shift. So you you felt in the, in like, oh, they're going to go down and score. And they did. And I yeah. was, I, I mean, literally blown away when we were at the, what, fourth and one and we mm-hmm. were running the Wildcat. 
and they stopped the play. Mm-hmm. Which one? Oh, I know, I know, I know. Stopped it, and uh, to say that they were going to reset the ball. Yeah, exactly. I mean, seriously, they said, they said okay, we had to stop the clock because it looked like Tennessee going to trick them, getting ready to score on them. <laughs> They're going to so, trick them. Uh, we've been informed by the commissioner <laughs> that we've got to push them back. Yeah, that was really embarrassing because it was almost like the Alabama player looked back at the ref and was like, hey, hey you know, on. and shrugged his shoulders, and they're like, okay, stop it. We need to <laughs> stop this play. I, and you know what he said? He said, what did he say? They said well, the, the ref said that they were questioning the spot. The spot. That is total horse manure. That, that is approved language. I, I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> it was just ridiculous. It, it looked bad. Uh-huh. Maybe they have a legitimate reason. And you've seen them do this before in football games. Yeah. I kind of wonder, Mark, I kind of wonder, and I've thought about this a little bit, because they've really gotten, they've really been receiving a lot of criticism lately. Some of it justified for sure. Some of it not, just like anything. Um, the commissioner kind of doubled down on his letter that he sent I out yesterday. <clears throat> so my thing is, I'm just glad that Jeremy Pruitt, this is the difference between him and a Phil Fulmer, right? Phil Fulmer was, not that guy that would really get in the ear of the refs. Oh, right. Now, Jeremy Pruitt is, if, if there's anybody that's the exact opposite of that, it's Jeremy Pruitt. And, and I don't know if you were watching during timeouts and stuff. Oh, absolutely watching. <laughs> I love watching. Oh, he is very animated. He's giving it to him, you know. And, and I, you know, everybody was all, would always be charged up with Fulmer back in the day and say, why don't you do anything? All you do is clap. You know, because yep. he would just do his. He, he'd say, "It's okay. We're just going to beat the heck out of him next time." You well, know. You know, I've seen I've seen uh, Pruitt out there. Even when we had a good play and we yeah. stopped him on a uh-huh. fourth down, I can't remember. It's been a couple of games ago, yeah. and all of a sudden he's he's running out there chewing out mm-hmm. one of the defensive linemen. Yeah, and I you'd say, "Hey, what? I wonder what." Yeah, Saturday <laughs> he saw something. Yeah, Saturday, Brian, not Brian. It was actually JT um, Trout. Right. So it was it was third and six or five something like that. And he took off, you know, the, the oh, oh, it was yeah. a coverage, you know, they had yeah, everybody right. covered. So he, he had a fir- easy first down. Easy. And just walked in and didn't make it. And so I don't, he faked pumped. Yeah. And he was past the line of scrimmage when right. he faked pumped. So he didn't, he, he wasn't. Right. Know, so he, he shouldn't have done that. He should have just pulled it down but and even, gone. But even regardless, he could have easily got that first down. The ball was in his right hand. Oh, no question. And he, so, he just stepped out short. Now, you didn't get to see – did you happen to record it or anything? No, but I saw the replay on the jumbo truck. No, I'm talking about Jeremy Pruitt. Oh, no. Okay. If you have it on YouTube, anybody, go back and listen. And I'll show it to you after the show here. I won't play that sound bite for sure. Because he <laughs> lays into him. And ESPN's mic picks, picked it up. It was a, obviously a condenser <laughs> mic. <laughs> did, he, did he touch his face mask at all? No, oh, no. Okay. He, he should have. <laughs> he, he should have laid hands on him. But, you know, it was just basically he was – this is what I'll interpret for you. Okay. Do a transliteration. You are not a very smart person, and you should have done that better. And if you ever do that again, I am going to do something that's going to cause you frustration. <laughs> <laughs> that was basically what he said, but with different different words. I mean, it, it, and hey, listen, that's in my mind, that's what I was thinking in my head. Like, you know, somebody needs to get into him. And Jeremy's kind of the, he's not, I bet you he's a player's coach when you're at, at, at practice. Oh, yeah. I yeah, bet yeah, you they yeah. love him. They clearly they've bought into the, the program, you know. I think they are. The sky's the limit. You know, I, um, what do you think they're ranked? I know that we're just fans, but, you know, you look at the SEC. What do you think uh, Tennessee would be ranked in the SEC out of all of the teams? What do I think 
Tennessee would be ranked now mm-hmm. against. I mean, they've not played each other, so it's just it's just the eye test right at this point. But what would you suggest? And I'll tell you what I think. I can I, tell you first if you want. Yeah, tell me first because so I, I don't. I don't. I, I, you have to put obviously Alabama. You have to put Florida, Auburn, um, Texas A and M. Uh, who else do we need to put in front of them? Who LSU obviously. Uh, who else? That may be all that you I mean, in my mind. Auburn? That, did you mention Auburn? Yeah, I did. I didn't mention Auburn, but I mean, we did beat Auburn last time in their home stadium with the same team. So I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, but, but I mean, it's a different. It's a different year. I get it. But I, I just have a feeling, and it's the eye test. It's strictly what it is. Now they did almost, you know, pull off a pretty good victory, or maybe they. Did, I can't remember, but I think Tennessee is probably you know sixth or seventh. Now all of that will be proven. Um, either whether I'm right or wrong in the coming month because they've got to play those, you know, bottom tier teams. You know, Missouri um, just lost to Kentucky. Right. So it was duly second time losing um, to another team that had a Missouri, wide receiver at quarterback. Missouri is so strong at home. I, yeah. I, I'm not sure that they've lost a game in a while at home. I don't know. And, uh, I think they're undefeated for really? a lot of games there. On the road, it's a different team. Yeah. I don't know. You know. That's a good point. I don't know what's going on with them, but they did lose to Kentucky. And if you recall, in um, it was the second to last year that Dooley was the coach. He lost to Kentucky, and they had a wide oh, yeah. receiver at quarterback. Right. And so again, Tennessee. I mean, Missouri lost to Kentucky, who had a wide receiver at quarterback. So there's something with that wide receiver at quarterback. Um, th- that guy can run. So that'll be an interesting game coming up as well. Um, yeah. So I think we can win out. Um, UAB is kind of a trap game coming up. But you know, let's let's go to the uh, South Carolina game mm-hmm. just for a minute because we talked about um, fans having an impact mm-hmm. on a game. Oh yeah. So you know, I I was in the UT band mm-hmm. and the loudest I ever heard stadium. It was before it was enclosed in the North End. Mm-hmm. It was the green stands. So my la- my first year was the green stands. Uh-huh. My second year is they enclosed the bowl. Yeah. So I got to march on both, and we changed anyway. Yeah. But when. We opened up for the uh, um, Notre Dame game, uh-huh. and because you and I got to talk to Johnny Majors about that. Notre yeah, Dame the '62 game, huh? The 1962 Tennessee Notre Dame. No, no, no. It was '92. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding with you. Yeah, yeah. No, '79. Oh, no, no, no. I was, I was actually trying to make an, an age joke, but it didn't work out. It didn't work out because you're, you're cruel. That way. <laughs> but yeah, he was t- he because he explained but that when yeah. I, we opened up the tea for that, it was so loud uh-huh. I could not. I could not hear my trumpet, and trumpets are high. Yeah. So all I felt is a vibration and saw my valves go down, but right. I, I couldn't hear anything. I really never experienced anything quite that loud since, except this Saturday I looked at my son and said, this is louder than I've ever, ever heard it. And he didn't hear you, quarter. but he said, I understand that. I just mounted. <laughs> well, the Oklahoma game was had to have been close. It was close, but this one, yeah. I'm talking about sustained intensity. Mm-hmm. If you remember when South Carolina was in the third or fourth quarter, mm-hmm. no, third quarter, and they were backed up mm-hmm. onto their 10, five-yard line. I can't, you know, it was on the north side, yeah. so I, I'm on the south yeah. end zone. And uh, they were backed up, and the, the officials came in and delayed, you know, kept, Maybe because of substitution, and the, the they're already mad mm-hmm. about at the officials for the three blown calls for touchdowns, right? And the missed face mask. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and so was it was a fever pitch, the, and it kept on. And I thought, wow, this is loud. And then it, they didn't start play, and it mm. got louder. Mm. And then it got louder. Yeah, it was nuts. Yeah, and the uh, the football players on the side and the 
Yeah. They were going crazy. And I think that's what precipitated that South Carolina player saying what he said. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, it was so loud in there. And I mean, where I was that in the was suite, fun. when I, where I was in the suite, oh, was, are you closed off in the closed off. Well, section? I left that suite and thank you. If you're listening, who gave me those tickets, but I actually went down, I wanted to go experience it. So I left oh, the suite yeah. because I mean, it was so, so intense oh. out there. It was cool. It was really cool. And, and, you know, there hasn't been a game we've dominated like that in a while. So. But, but there is one thing that I noticed about this game that I, I haven't noticed about our team in, in the last several years is the, um, if you remember, and I can't remember what game it was, but Trey Smith um, had a personal foul mm. uh, where he, he yeah, after the that. whistle, and he drove, pile drive the, the guy out into the uh, into mm-hmm. UT bench. Yeah, yeah right? I remember so, that. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, post-whistle um, personal fouls. Mm-hmm. Um, this game, with all of the anxiety of the uh, fans screaming, Everybody, they were composed. It was the most composed football team I see Tennessee field in a very long time. I don't know how you feel. But no, I, I thought with everybody so mad and screaming that they were going to start throwing fists or hitting somebody late or something because they're getting on so ramped up. But they were composed. It was the fans that were not composed. Let's see if we can hear uh, Jeremy Pruitt's post-game uh, comments. Let's see if this works. You know, first off, um, I just want to say thanks to the fans. Uh, you're talking about a spectacular atmosphere. Um, you know, when you when you feel the energy, uh, the emotion that's in our fan base, uh, how hungry uh, everybody associated with our with our program is here. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't want to come to Tennessee. Um, when you when you when you feel it, when you walk down the ball walk, you feel it running through the tee. When it's fourth and six, or you score a touchdown. Um, our fans are, are as good or better than anybody in the country. All right? They're the best. All right? That's the word that I need to use. They're the best. <laughs> um, I thought our assistant coaches done a fantastic job uh, in the game. Uh, preparation, you know, preparing the guys in practice. You know, you can see, I've been saying this for a while, and you guys probably think I'm crazy, but I keep talking about what good practices we have. Um, and you can see the development of the players, the young players on our team, the old players on our team. Uh, our guys continue to improve. They're creating the right habits. Um, and the buy-in and the effort uh, has, never been, has never been a problem. You know, he's, he's always been preaching that about the, the practices because, you know, you can tell a lot when you have a really good practice. Sometimes you don't know if coaches are really telling you straight. You know, like Butch Jones. I'm sorry. He used to say that he's a. We had a. Ter- well, he doesn't have a country accent. We had a terrible practice or whatever. Well, that's because guys were falling on their helmets. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he would never really give it to you straight. You know, and um, I feel like Jeremy's just straight up. And you know that his players. I think that that comes out with his players and and how they respond and then how they tell you and and they're very transparent too. Yeah. I would love if you. In the post-game mm-hmm. uh, interview with uh, Jeremy Pruitt, mm-hmm. he was talking to Bob Kessling. I wish you could find that one and, and pull it up. Because, Before I pull that one up, yeah. let's, let's listen to Jarrett Garantano after the game. Oh, good. Uh, they were, they've been excellent. I've been uh, really happy, and everything's been going pretty smooth, and yeah, that's about it. Does anything anybody told you, any advice you got the last week or something that's 
yeah, I, I've gotten a couple, some good advice over social media and a lot of <laughs> good stuff. But my co- my cousin's been telling me to smile more, and that's really helped me out a lot. And being able to be joyful walking around and everything makes things a lot easier for me. Could have played a lot better. I think that there are some times where I could have did some things, but the team won, and that's really all I'm worried about. But there's definitely a lot of room to improve. Now, you know Jarrett will be gone next year. And he's only a, he's only a junior. Right. But Portal? Well, you know, I, I don't remember who told me this, but um, somebody I felt was smart, but I don't remember who it was. But they said, you know, that that individual is good enough to play somewhere else. And... I don't see him taking, we have Brian Maurer, we have JT Strout, we have Harrison Bailey, who's a five-star stud coming in next year. So he's got, he'll have four quarterbacks, and I'm sure there's another one over there too. Um, that means four quarterbacks, and it just makes the picking quite. Juwan Jennings. Hey, hey, I'll tell you what. But also, once once we get a starter, and that's pretty locked in, then I think another one will leave as well. That's just how our, that's our life these days in the NCAA you're going to have another person transfer as well because they want to play. All you have to do is put in, you know, the uh, the first few games of the season to show them that they're going to get an opportunity, even as a freshman. Yeah, well, and, and stick you know, around. You want to play at a, you know, Power Five school, you're going to get a shot. And there's a lot. I mean, you think about too the the youth on the on that. As far as we've got a couple of few freshmen starting. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got freshmen all over the place. All over. And I mean, gosh, we're going to Jawan Jennings talk about just a stud. I mean, this guy, how are we going to ever replace him? Well, you know, we always have, you know, Cordell Patterson. You remember, mm-hmm. remember um, they were tri- gave a tribute to him, uh, I think, in during the halftime. Um, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, there would be somebody else to step up because you have to, there's always going to be someone else that steps up. Yeah. I think that Cordero is the good good example that he came in that one year and did some really incredible things against North Carolina state. And, you know, but you know, Juwan was off the team, you know, Butch had kicked him off the team. That was difficult times. Yeah. And they were, yeah. And he was expressing himself on social media. You can see by the way he runs. Mm -hmm. He He does nobody emotional. Oh, he's taking out his anger on the defenders. I feel bad for him. And when he caught that ball in the end zone and first of all, if you go back, that was actually targeting. They didn't even show the replay and slow it down. Oh. But the South Carolina hit his crown of the helmet right onto his face mask. When he caught it through the end zone? Yes. And then he, he took out about five media members. Yeah, right. Yeah, but the that South That was Carolina, targeting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was targeting. <laughs> but the South Carolina uh, player actually targeted him. Well, there was a – and there was a hit on our receiver before that. Yeah. It may have been uh, Juwan Jennings. No, uh, no, it was Palmer? Bird. It was Bird. Oh, Bird. And, and, yeah, that was a really bad no call right there, especially if you're going to call it in other times during the game, like on Middleton. You know, Middleton, uh, Daryl Middleton, what was his name? Daryl Middleton, the number 97. He actually went to Oak Ridge. So, he, you know, he had to miss the rest of the game. So, I'm, I'm sitting there um, before that with the uh, – with a face mask, right? Mm-hmm. So when that play happened, I'm in the south end zone looking north. They're toward the north end. And I see the ref. I see his head jerk around. And I jump up and I screamed face mask. No one else in the section mm-hmm. saw it. Mm-hmm. And I looked around and kind of felt embarrassed. And I said, am I seeing things? Am I seeing things? Am yeah. I seeing things? I love the replay guy. He ran that thing <laughs> over and over. over. That's what got everybody so ramped up. And it just went 
it just got worse and worse and the fans went nuts. I loved that about the the replay guy. And then did you see the clowns, the referees that was just <laughs> a, I mean, I was cracking up. A live shot of a ref in a clown yeah. costume. That was perfect. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, if they're they're not really authority figures, but we certainly lost um, all respect for for referees, and it's unfortunate. Hey, look, it's a tough job. I, it, I would hate, but hey, there is a picture in the Knoxville News Sentinel. They they always post, you know, the game photos. Mm-hmm. They have a picture of that face mask, right? Mm, really? Oh, oh yeah. And the, oh, okay, yeah. Okay. And right behind, in the fr- same frame, right behind is the referee looking straight at the play. Mm-hmm. You see his eyes on the play. That's what they need to bring out then because that is an example. You cannot miss that. Um, there's no possible way that's excusable, and I'd like to hear what the commissioner has to say about that because um, totally unacceptable. And that was such a, a, a critical point of the game. And then it was third and 14, and you know he Jarrett made an incredible throw off his back foot, but guess what? He broke his wrist too yeah, in that, right. on that play. That's when oh, he, yeah, that's right. That was the same play. Yeah. So this has really turned into definitely a, a sports, you know, segment, but that's okay because we're we're excited about it. Um, the the attendance according to according to the paid tickets was eighty seven thousand three ninety seven. That's not how many people were there, but that's what they quote um, because that's how many people bought tickets, and that's fine as well. I'm looking at the picture. That's pretty evident. How could he have possibly missed that? I think he was thinking that because when he stiff armed. Our, def, our our offensive player stiff armed him, but that's that's legal. He did not yeah, have it, he didn't have it grabbed. Um, but yeah, so Jarrett Garantano went eleven for nineteen, two hundred and twenty nine yards, becoming the eleventh player in program history to throw for four thousand yards. I don't mm-hmm. know if you knew that or not. Um, and Juwan Jennings scored his sixteenth career touchdown on a twenty seven yard touchdown, uh, and then. Um, and that's that. That in itself is is pretty amazing too. He runs possessed. He sure does. I wouldn't want to get in front of him. That's for sure. It's um, like Derrick Henry. He runs like Derrick Henry. Yep. He's yep. as big as him. You know, I, I I was shocked because I remember seeing him in his freshman year. Mm-hmm. He has gotten three times larger. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, seriously, when he was down there, I thought he was a lineman. Yeah, because he came yeah, down. He's and a was, big guy. And I thought, who's that? And, and my son goes, "That's Juwan Jennings." You know, he might even be able to make it in the NFL as a tight end. I don't know. I mean, I you know, I was talking to somebody. He could make it a linebacker. I, I think he could, but I, I, he wants to play on offense. It's just a matter of whether he can play at that level. And I he don't see why ball. not. Yeah, he sure can. He made a great throw. If it wouldn't have been for a phantom holding call, <laughs> so well. I think we probably have covered a lot enough to keep you guys full till the next time. I think uh, we we are excited about having the ability to do these shows whenever we want to. We don't have to worry about um, having studio time. So uh, we're going to definitely have more time in the future um, so that we can come out and um, kind of hit you guys with a podcast and all the things that you guys love about the housing hour. Things we want to talk about. Exactly. We don't have to be censored. We can we can say shoot and darn it <laughs> and all that. But anyway, on behalf of Mark and also Mortgage Investors Group, thank you guys so much for joining us. And we'll see you next time right here on Go the Big housing Orange. Hour. Go Big Orange.